Yes, God, you reign. You reign in me. You reign in me, so sickness cannot, defeat cannot, oppression cannot, because you reign in me. The lies of the enemy cannot, because you reign in me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Any lie, any accusation, any failure, my God reigns. Declare it in faith. few weeks, but especially over this past week, I've been really uh, pressing into the subject of worship because we've been talking about uh, our core values or beginning to talk about, we shared for a couple weeks, our vision, which is creating a culture where uh, the heart of God is known and the will of God is manifested. So if if that's our heart's desire, we got to know his heart, right? We got to know his heart and, and our, our core values are, are worship, the word, family, supernatural ministry, and outreach. Those are things that we see through the life of Jesus that are uh, foundational to who we are as a church, foundational to who we are as believers, I believe. Uh, and the first one, is, as I said, is worship. And as I was uh, looking at this, the thing the Lord just really spoke to my heart is, I, I don't know about you, but uh, when God speaks to me many times, it's very simple. And I think that's because he just deals with me right where I am. <laughs> and I'm good with that. I'm so good with that. I had uh, someone who had visited the church told me they liked how simple I preached. And I took that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I don't, I can, I can, I don't read Hebrew, I don't read Greek, but I've got an awesome program on a computer that tells me Hebrew and Greek, and I can tell you all these things, and we can walk out educated without impartation, without encountering the living God. And I don't think you have to sacrifice one for other, don't get me wrong. Don't get in a ditch. I, I'm not trying to give out ditches, uh, but I do understand that, um, what I've seen, what I've experienced in my life is that it's easy, uh, you know, the passage says, you did run well, what does hinder you? It's easy to start out passionate in relationship with the Lord, and um, society, religion, culture has taught us to make a religion out of relationship. And that's, and that's not just in church. I'll let you say like that a minute. What I mean by that is even in our relationships, in a marriage relationship, it becomes a, a religion is what we do according to what we believe, okay? 
That's the boil down what religion means is what we do according to what we believe. That's the religious beliefs of a person is manifested in how they conduct their life. So I said we can make a religion out of anything. It can be out of a relationship with our wife or our husband that we just do it because this is a good thing to do and we do it because it's a right thing to do. Is it wrong to do a right thing? Not in the context of it being sin or being wrong, but it can be wrong to be doing a right thing when God's saying, I want you to do something different. You can get up every morning and tell your wife that you love her, men, but never demonstrate the love and life uh, of that to her, and it just becomes empty words. Is it wrong to get up and tell your wife you love her? Absolutely not. But it has to go beyond just words. And what I'm learning is things that I truly believe affect how I live. If I really believe something, not just have a mental assent, not just have an agreement with something that I would call truth, but if I really believe something, then I'll do it no matter who it upsets. That's where it gets sticky. Because it's easy to do what's easy. I said some time ago, simple, doesn't mean, simple and easy aren't synonymous. Simple just means not complicated. But how many of you know sometimes the most simple task can be the hardest? You know, if you work out in the gym, it's real simple to push weight up and put it down. I pick things up, I put them down. That's simple. That's very simple, right? That's not complicated, is it? Pick things up, put them down. That's not complicated, but it's not easy. If it's easy, then what you're doing is you're doing something that's comfortable and you're compromising growth. So as I was studying worship, the Lord took me back to grammar school. (laughs) Like I said, he, takes it, he makes it simple. I don't know if it's because he's not sure I learned anything there. <laughs> so he keeps taking me back. How many of you remember the five W's? Who, what, when, where, why. And they added an H. I'm done. Let's pray and we'll go home. <laughs> Told you it was simple. <laughs> Amen. So as I was studying this week, the Lord, I mean, out of nowhere, and I am, uh, (laughs) it wasn't a CES thing, it wasn't a continued education deal. I wasn't like I was going back and I was wanting to learn uh, things that I learned about correct writing and how to write and stuff. It didn't have anything to do with that. I'm studying God. I'm studying worship and what is worship And what does it look like? And God just, in my heart, he said, remember the five W's. And here's what he said. You got to know who you worship before you know what worship is. And then once you know what, you'll know when to do it, where to do it, and why we do it. But you got to know who. And when we find out who we worship, it affects how we worship. And what that even looks like. I told Mel, I was so stirred by this that I, was, I had in my mind, and I said, I just got to pray it out. 
that we were going to do one song, and then we were going to, I was going to teach. And I don't know if that was what I was supposed to do, and I just got caught up in worship. <laughs> or if I wanted to give us an opportunity to do, to worship. But as I was doing, as I was looking at worship, and I was, you know, because our context of worship, many, even in a charismatic church, our context of worship is what we do before someone speaks, or what we do before we lay hands on someone, or what we do before all these other things, right? I mean, I, I'm not trying to put, paint you in a corner. I'm just saying, many times our context of worship is the songs that we sing prior to any type of service, whether it be a revival meeting, or preaching, or a healing service, whatever. Worship is the prelude to God moving. And so the Lord began to take me to different uh, accounts in the Word. And today we're going to spend some time in Luke. Because what I was going to do, here's why, here's why I say what I did about how God will he'll just wreck what we're doing to get us to see Him. And He'll do it with the five W's, Right? Because when I first started in the who of who he was, I did what every good preacher does, is I went back and I started listing the names of God. I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> I'm trying to be careful. Um, because the names of God are very, very important to us in understanding who he is. But here's, where, here's what I want you to hear. Is we can know the names of God and know who he's declared to be, but him not be that to us. And that's why others can sing about him. And to us, we just seemed, we seemed disconnected and confused. One, maybe because we haven't encountered him that way in our lives. Or two, because it's just something that we've learned to recite. But yet there's no value in it to us because he hasn't been that to us. Does that make sense? A few people tracking with me. <clears throat> so he took me to Luke chapter 7. We're going to begin, and I'm going to read from 36. That's not where I'm going to be, begin, uh, verse 36. I just want to give you a rundown of kind of what's happening just in this chapter. And, and I understand, and I want you to understand, that when these things happened, it wasn't like they paused and said, okay, Jesus is beginning chapter 7 of Luke. What I mean is there weren't chapter and verse when Jesus was doing this. Okay, I didn't mean to throw you on that one. That was supposed to be a little joke. Anyway, in Luke 7, we see uh, the beginning of Luke 7, the centurion servant is healed. And uh, we know the story of that, right? The centurion servant, where he comes to Jesus and he says, I got a servant that's not well. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. He said, no, you don't have to come to my house. I'm a man under authority, right? But he was a centurion, so he was also a man in authority. But he said, so I know how this authority thing works. I know who you are. And so what took place right there was a form of worship. He said, I acknowledge who you are. And I know that to me, you can be something greater than I've just seen here. What do you mean? Because he was present with the people doing the miracles, but the centurion said, because I understand authority and I know who you are, I can worship you on a place beyond what I'm seeing right here. And I can do that by saying, if you will just say it, my servant will be healed. 
And Jesus said in uh, verse 9, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And it said when they left, they found that the servant was well. <laughs> Imagine that. The next thing that we see is Jesus, uh, it says, Now it happened the day after, verse 11, they went to a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and, and a large crowd. And so it just happened. So it happened that the centurion says, I understand authority, so just speak it, and my servant will be healed. And his servant was healed. So here the next day, Jesus is walking into town and interrupts a funeral. And it just happened. Don't you like how that's written? And it happened. Now it happened the day after. The day after that Jesus just said be, that servant be healed and he was healed. That Jesus walked up to a woman, a widow, and uh, he said to her, do not weep. And he touched the coffin and those uh, who carried it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Verse 15, so he who was dead sat up. And began to speak. I bet. I bet. I'd be willing to bet the farm. That worship took place. Right here. Let's keep going. Next we see John the Baptist sending saying. I love this. I love, 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 love this. Because I love that Jesus loved John enough to do what he did. We know who John is, right? He's the one that went out into the wilderness declaring, uh, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, is coming. And he's the one who said, he baptized Jesus. He said, this one, I'm not even worthy to, to latch his shoes. But John was in prison. And guess what? While John was in prison... Things didn't look exactly like John expected them to look. Can we agree with that? Thank you, Jeff. We can agree that John was declaring the kingdom of heaven is coming. He was, saying, he was expecting Jesus to come. See, here's a major stumbling block that happened in that day to the Jews. They were expecting Jesus to come and set up his kingdom, his earthly kingdom, right there on the earth. And when that didn't happen, many of them stumbled. Many of them didn't understand that Jesus was coming to redeem what man had given away first was their spirit, that they could come back into relationship with God. Much more important than a natural kingdom. So John, he's confused, he's, he's discouraged, and he's in prison. He says, go ask him if he's really the one. And look at this, verse 18. Then the disciples uh, of John, I told you it was going to begin in 36. Look, and I, anyway. Then the disciples of John reported him concerning all these things. And John called uh, the two disciples and sent them, saying, are you, come, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Verse 20. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent to us to you, saying, Are you the coming, or do we look for another? Look at verse 21. This is awesome. Verse 21. And that very hour. Say that with me. And that very hour. So what he's saying in the time span of an hour, here's what took place. Many of infirmities 
afflictions, and evil spirits, and many blind he gave sight. So they said, are you the one? Jesus didn't say anything. He just started healing folk. Jesus just started healing people. Are you the one? They're, oh, man, that's good. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, there are a lot of people talking, saying they've got the truth and, and everything. He said, but I'm coming, and we'll see who's got power. We'll see who operates from a living God, not just from a dead religion. So Jesus answered and said, go tell John the things you've seen, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, as blessed is he who is not offended because of me. No, he didn't throw out that offended word. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he, when he went with the, to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, that he spoke to himself, saying, So he didn't say it out loud. Do you get that? Right? So when the Pharisee, verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had in, invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, isn't that cool? This man has a thought in his head and Jesus answered his thought. You ever had that happen? That's pretty cool. That you just have a thought and Jesus answers your thought and you go, oh man, I didn't even ask that. You just, anyway. Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. He was clueless. <laughs> he said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, another 50. And when he had nothing with which to pay, to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom for he forgave um, more. And he said to him, you are rightly judged. You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, he's you see what he did? He turned to the woman, but he said to Simon. He never stopped talking to Simon, but now he's looking at the woman. He said, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? 
Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So what I saw, and I have two other things that I'm going to look at, two other passages in Luke that we're going to look at. But what I saw here is this is worship. And and you know what, what? Everything that we've seen so far in this chapter, we've seen worship in all of Luke chapter 7. We've seen worship, but you know what we haven't seen? is a corporate worship setting where somebody's singing, somebody's playing the guitar, somebody's playing the, the, the piano that gets us worked up so that we can worship. Now, that you chew on that, let me say something. If you know me, you know I'm a worshiper. I am not against worship. But what I'm saying is if we don't know who we're worshiping, that's why when we worship, and this church has a culture of worship, we're not stopping how we worship. I'm just wanting us to understand who we worship. It's why we worship. We worship extended here. We worship free here. And I've even asked the Lord to help me understand what that even means, that we worship free without putting it in a box, and without being afraid. Because here's what I want you to understand. This woman who was known in the city, what happened in this city? We just saw, right? John's disciples come to him and said, hey, are you the one? And he said, watch this. So he starts healing infirmities. He starts healing blind eyes, opening deaf ears, raising the dead. He said, go tell John. And this woman, you know, there was a crowd. When you see what it said, there was a crowd following, right? His disciples were with him, and there was a large crowd, right? I'm not adding two. I'm just taking straight from the Scriptures. That's why we read it. This is the context of what's going on. So this woman, who was a sinner, had heard about this Jesus, and that he forgave people like her. And she did something that I'm convinced When we have a revelation that she has, we'll do the same thing. And that doesn't mean that we'll cry at somebody's feet and wipe them. I would hurt somebody if I dried their feet with my hair. It would not be pleasant. It would be more like one of those, what do they call it? When you you do your skin and you get all the dead skin off. Exfoliate, yeah. It'd be an exfoliation. I'm not saying that we respond that same way, but here's, here's what I want us to understand. In worship, in worship, there's always an expression of that worship. It's not just an internal, oh, he's worthy. Are you with me? I don't want to leave anyone. In worship, when we understand who he is, not just to the world, but who he is to us, this woman, she came in. And you know what's so beautiful about Jesus? When she began to worship, he didn't ask her about her past. He didn't ask her how she got the money for the ointment she put on his feet. Anybody tracking with me? This woman was a sinner. Very possibly a prostitute. Because everyone knew who she was. It wasn't just like she cheated on her taxes. 
Are you with me? And she came in, and she knew who he was, and look what happened. She didn't care about anyone else in the room but him. She didn't care what anyone else thought. Not just thought. She didn't care what anyone else knew about her. It's one thing to think what people are thinking. It's another thing to know what people know. And she didn't allow that to hinder her worship. Open, reckless, and abandoned. Why? Because she knew who he was. Did she need a physical healing? Is that why she was there? No. Could she have been healed in the process? Yes. But the text doesn't tell us that she was sick, that she was broken, anything other than she was what? A sinner. And she came and she worshiped him as the king, as the one who could forgive, as the one who could redeem, who could buy back her past and all her mistakes. She worshiped him for who he was to her. And she didn't care what anyone else said. And I've said this before. What's so beautiful about this is that when they walked out of that room, Jesus and this woman who had been a sinner smelled exactly the same. Man, that's beautiful. Because she was willing to lay it all out. She walked out smelling like Jesus. And because Jesus, listen, listen. Because Jesus knew who he was, he didn't have a problem walking out smelling like her. God, that's good. Yes, Lord, I received that. Man, that was good for me. Because he knew who he was. But worship took place here. And it, it was manifested in that room that she was worshiping because she knelt behind him. And in the custom of the day, when they sat at the table, it wasn't like us where we sit at the table and our feet are up under the table sitting in a chair. They would recline and lean towards the table and their feet would be behind them. So she walked in and she saw Jesus. I believe. She said, that's him. That's him. That's the one who can set me free. That's the one who can forgive me no matter how many mistakes I've made. I choose today that today's the beginning. And I'm going to worship him because I know he's the one who has the keys to set me free. And she came in, and guess what she didn't do? She didn't ask permission. Went up in another man's house. They at the table, taking care of business, and she didn't ask permission. She didn't say, excuse me, Simon, Pharisee, religious leader of our community. Is it okay if I have a little praise break here? Would you allow me to worship Jesus? She didn't do that. She was not concerned. She was not concerned with who owned the house or what was going on. Isn't that awesome? That's scary. I'm just telling you, that's scary. 
That's scary to me because when I believe, I said when I believe something, it changes the way that I act. It changes my behavior. I don't behave differently to, to receive something, but once I know what I've received, I act differently. And when I understand that, then I understand that I can be anywhere and worship can break out. It might not just be inside this building where, for the most part, the people may go, well, that's a little different, and I'm not sure I understand it, but no one's going to start laughing at you. They may not come back, <laughs> but for the most part, they're not going to laugh at you to scorn and tell you get out. They won't, I won't allow that, even if I don't understand it. Because one of the things is I've been pressing into this. One of the things, I can remember uh, last year in June, I was standing right there and we were in worship. I can't remember right now what song it was. Mel might remember. But Mel had put the, the, the background that was up was the ship in the middle of the ocean and it was cloudy and there was one ray of light coming through, shining down on the ship. We'd never used that before. And uh, I know it's the oceans. That's the song we were singing is oceans. And uh, where it talks about Take me out, uh, I'll butcher it. <laughs> Look it up, YouTube at Oceans, Hillsong, it's good. Not as good as when we do it, but it's good. <laughs> but it's talking about being, uh, how's it go, where I, I can't stand, something like that. Uh, take me further, then my feet can, yeah, y'all got it. Walk upon the water, yeah, all of that's good. I, anyway, it talked about being out beyond what we're capable of doing in and of ourselves. God, take me out to that place uh, further than I've been before. And the Lord asked me this question, will you do whatever I tell you to do no matter what it costs you? And I reluctantly, I cried a lot, and I reluctantly said yes. And you know why I reluctantly said yes? Because I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea what that meant. And since that time, there's been great transition in my life, in this church. And, uh, and I asked the Lord today as I was studying this, I said, God, did you begin something? And I'm just being transparent. Did you begin something that I didn't steward properly? Or are you doing something and we just got to be obedient to what you're calling us to do? And you know the beautiful, beautiful thing about it? I may have messed it up, but it didn't mess him up. He's still God. <laughs> He's still God. And I know this, I'm more hungry for him now than I've ever been in my life. I'm not, and here's what I want you to understand, is we get into worship. We're, this is the introduction. This is not the one service about worship, and then we're going to move on to the word. This is the introduction to worship because... We've got to know who we worship. And that's what he's been taking. He said, Todd, when you really believe this, you'll start living according to it. And so when things happen contrary to what you thought they were going to happen, you can still worship me in the midst of it as the God that you say that I am. When it doesn't look like you expect it to look, you won't lose your song. Because you're not singing for an experience. You're singing from a reality that I am God. That I am very God. And I can remember saying, yes, God. And, you know, in my heart, I was thinking, all right, he's getting ready to pour out his spirit, and this place is going to blow wide open. That was what I was believing. <laughs> he, it didn't look exactly like that. <laughs> it didn't look exactly like that. But the Lord, through this process, has been saying all along, 
Do you trust me? And what I know about this woman in this story is she trusted him. Beyond anything she'd ever known or encountered before, she trusted him to be who she had heard that he was. And worship took place. I believe that as we know who he is to us, our worship will look different. We'll do things we've never done before. I'm telling you, in the past two weeks, I've begun to do things I've never done before. I've, done, I've touched them, but I've never done them like I'm doing them now. And it's not just, well, I'm facing my fears. It's more than that. It's I'm facing him. And as I face him, as fears arise, I go, yep, I got him. And he and I, together, we're the majority. So we're going to go through this. Luke 18. Bless you. I didn't want to make it difficult. They said we're just going to stay in one book, Luke. We start out with the persistent widow. And I want to say something here. I'm not going to teach on this right now. But this uh, is a contrast, not a comparison. I like that look. The first part here, when he's talking about the persistent widow and he's talking about the unjust judge, uh, uh, a certain city of judge who did not fear God nor regard man, that's not... What I mean by that, this is a contrast. This is not saying that's who God is. Are you with me? So in this context, when we see this woman pleading, 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 God's saying if an unjust judge would do it because we're much pleading, that's not who I am. I'm different. And then he finishes by saying this. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's Jesus speaking. He said, I, I want to ask this question. God will come speedily. He won't be this judge you've got to keep going to, going to, going to, going to. He will come speedily. But when the Son of Man cut returns, will he really find faith on the earth? Verse 9. He gave a parable, which is an a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector going and, and how the... Uh, tax collector didn't feel worthy, and the Pharisee was, was uh, bragging on who he was, <laughs> Some, pretty much. Then verse 15, uh, they bring the children to him, that he might touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to him uh, and said, let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I think, tautology, I think this is deeper than what we've just thought it to be, that we've got to have childlike faith to be born again. I think that this is that you've got to have childlike faith to see the kingdom of God manifested in and through you on the earth. That childlike faith where you just say, I trust you. I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I, I, I've shared this before of when Brianna was little and she was understanding trust. I, can, I would get her to stand on the edge of the couch and jump into my arms. 
And, you know, she was a little apprehensive at first. But when I showed her, you can trust me. I remember we were doing it, and I had turned, and I looked, and she was on the arm and getting ready to be in midair because I was in the room. I hadn't said, hey, jump, I'll catch you. But in her mind, it made sense that when I jump, Dad catches me, even though Dad's not aware that I'm jumping. (laughs) When I jump, Dad catches me. So glad that we didn't have to have a sozo session for her because I missed her. I caught her. And it was good. But she understood trust. She, and that's what he's talking about here as a child. If we're going to see the kingdom, if we're going to see the kingdom of God that we are praying for and saying, God, you come, you manifest among us. Sometimes it takes childlike faith where we go this. I don't understand exactly what you're telling me to do, but I feel it's this, so I'm going to step out. Even if I look foolish doing it, I'm going to do it. You know, a kid learning to walk doesn't look dignified. I think that's why the legs are so short. <laughs> they don't have a lot to, to maneuver, and when they fall, it's close to the ground. I'm not tall. I know that. But I know this. If I fall straight back on my tush from this position, it hurts pretty bad. And it's not just because I don't have a diaper on. It's because the distance is greater. But when a kid falls, what do they do? You don't have to sit there and say, oh, please don't give up. Please don't stop. Please, just please for me, for dad. I don't want to carry you all your life. I don't want to carry you down the aisle. I want you to walk. We don't have to beg. What's in their nature is to get up. We're taught that if we make a mistake, we fail, and you might as well quit. That's not the story of the gospel. It's get up, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's get up. It may feel harder than anything you've ever done before, but you can do it, not because you're this great individual, but because greatness lives in you, and he makes you great. Get up. The rich young ruler, verse 18, there's a rich young ruler. And listen, the, the, whole, the first verse here sets the whole context of what's going on. He came to him and he said, good teacher. So one, he identified how he saw him. Remember, what did I start out by saying? Until we know who he is to us, we won't worship him for who he is. Right? He said to him, good teacher. So what was he to What was Jesus to him? It's easy. Thank you. He was a teacher. He was a teacher. That's not hard. And he said this, good teacher, I want you to teach me something. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Not what have you done, what is the gift that, that you told Nicodemus about. Maybe he didn't hear all of that. But Jesus had been preaching the kingdom. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing the sick, right? That's what Jesus went about doing, teaching, preaching, healing the sick. He didn't just have healing crusades without telling truth. He came to let people know that, that God has come to forgive sin. That's, why he, that's what he was teaching. The gospel is the good news is that though you were a sinner, you can be forgiven. But this man said, what do I have to do? 
So Jesus gives him a list of things. He said, I've done all of that. You know what it reminds me of? The children of Israel, when God had to give the law. Tautology. So, you know, this is me. I don't believe it. God wanted to give the law. I believe man, because of their self-righteousness and saying we can do whatever God tells us to do, you just go meet with him. He's kind of scary to us. You go meet with him. Because God wanted relationship. That's what he had. That's what was lost in the garden. That's what he desired. That's what they had lived under for 2,000 years prior to the giving of the law was, was, relation, was grace. Anyway. <clears throat> it wasn't about doing. It's about believing. So he says, don't do all these things. He said, all those I've done from my youth. Uh, and Jesus said, okay, there's one thing you lack. Jesus was offended that this man was rich, right? No. No, class, no. That's not what it was. Jesus wasn't offended at his money. Jesus knew that he already had a God. To this man, he was a teacher because the man already had a God. Who was this God? Money. And he said, there's one thing you need to do. Dethrone your God and come follow me. And the, the rich young ruler did what? He went away sad. Verse 35. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him, Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I ask a question. Do you think this man heard about who Jesus was? He heard about this Jesus who went about teaching, preaching, healing the sick. So when he heard all the people coming, he was, he was blind, right? That's not difficult. Yes, he was blind. He was blind. He was by the road. He was blind. He heard a bunch of people. He said, what's going on? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I've heard of him. Jesus. He starts yelling. Is that dignified? Is he concerned with the company he's in at the moment? None whatsoever. Is he moved by the request of the company he's in? No, none whatsoever. They, he cried to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. And like the good church person, he listened. No, it says, so he did something. They said, be quiet. He said, gotcha. Jesus! <laughs> be quiet. Don't get so excited. Oh, okay. Jesus! <laughs> Isn't that what it said? And then it, they said, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. So Jesus has already passed. 
But when he cried, Jesus stood still and he said, and I think just because I, because me and Jesus think alike. I think Jesus went to the ones who had been telling him to be quiet. He said, hey, go get him and bring him to me. <laughs> the very ones who were saying, shh, be quiet. It's Jesus. Don't bother Jesus. He's about his father's business. And that's not you. So just be quiet. Shh. And Jesus said, hey, you guys around him, bring him to me. They're like, Jesus wants to see you, man. Come on. Whoop, whoop. Raise the roof. Hallelujah. <sighs> so Jesus stood still, commanded him to be brought to him. And when he, he come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and did what? Followed him glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. See, because he was willing to go against the crowd, against the flow, he received something that broke out into a praise fest right there on the street. Because he was willing. And when everybody else said, be quiet, he shouted the more. So in this house, in this culture of worship, as much as I'll just be totally transparent, that it kind of freaks out my, my mind because I don't know what it looks like, I say, go for it. I say, go for it. Because I believe that we can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I look at what that looks like, Nathan came up to me in worship and was wrecked. I was going to read this in, in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, 1 through 10. Uh, it talks about the worship that's going on in heaven uh, with Jesus it says this, after this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice in the great multitude in heaven crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his judgments are true and just for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more, they cried out, hallelujah, then smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the living, four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise, to, uh, praise our God, all you his servants. And this is Psalms 135 goes into this really well. You who fear him, small and great. And then verse six says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah. So it wasn't just a few. It wasn't just the 24 and the four. It was a sea of people. I got my throat dry. Crying out, hallelujah, for, our, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. It was granted her. It wasn't anything she did. It was what was given to her. Why was it given? Because Jesus paid the price, and he declared, it is finished. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. It was an angel. And your brothers who told you, who, who hold to you the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For Listen to this. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. One of Josh's favorite verses. For the testimony of Jesus. What's testimony mean? Do it again. Do it again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If we've got a problem with prophecy, we've got a problem with Jesus. Because every time we testify of who Jesus is, we're prophesying. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it. This man, how many of you think, how many of you think, maybe possibly, kind of, sort of, good chance, that this man who was blind, who Jesus stood still and said, come to me, when he went out glorying, giving glory and praising God, how many of you think maybe, maybe, just maybe, just work with me, stretch your faith, maybe he told somebody about it? No doubt he told people about it. No doubt he said that I am healed because of this man named Jesus. And what happened is Jesus had the opportunity to do it again. Because that's what it says. It's It's the testimony of Jesus. It's the spirit of prophecy. I'll do it again. I'll close with this. All my pens are on the ground now. The last story, Luke 19. I won't read it. Luke 19, we see Jesus walking down the street. And there's this young man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is, uh, I won't ever forget one time, <clears throat> I was preaching. I was preaching about publicans and sinners. And someone come to me and said, what's a publican? I said, I don't know, but they're bad as sinners. <laughs> a publican was a tax collector. So here we see in Luke 19 that, that, uh, that Zacchaeus was a chief publican. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to wrap this up. So a tax collector were even worse than our IRS today. Uh, I hope I didn't offend. I hope we if we have an IRS worker in here, I'm not meaning that towards you. <laughs> but I don't know many people who get excited at the end of the year when they have to write a check to the government for their taxes or the first of the year when you have to do it. Uh, we love it when we get money back, and we get excited about money we've already paid anyway. I'm not going there. <clears throat> we set it up like a savings account, and they're really getting over them anyway. <laughs> so this was worse. Are you with me? Because what the tax collectors of that day could do is they worked for Rome, who was oppressing the Jewish people, and they could go to your house. They could go to Josh and say, Josh owes $300 in taxes. He, can say, he could go to Josh and say, you owe $1,000 in taxes, and you've got to make the check to me. And Josh could say, no, I've got the papers that say I only owe $300. He said, okay, here's the deal, buddy. It was a modern day, at that day, mob, mafia. He said, here's what you can do. You can give me $300, and I'll take your $300, and you'll go to jail. And then I don't know how your family's going to live or how you're going to pay taxes next year because I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get them then. Or you can give me the $1,000 that I told you you owe, and you can go free. That was really fair, wasn't it? No. 
Not at all. And the, what the kicker was is he was a Jew also. So he was doing this to his own people. Are you with me? So how many of you know he, he wasn't the most popular man in town? Probably one of the wealthiest men in town, but not the most popular man in town. And when Zacchaeus heard about this Jesus who forgives, who will forgive a sinner who came in and poured oil on his feet and washed his feet with her hair and with her tears. And he thought within himself, I've got all of this stuff and I'm empty. So he laid something aside when he crawled up that tree and it was his dignity. And he said, no matter how much people hate me or no matter how much I have, it's nothing without him. He didn't climb up the tree and say, Jesus, what do I have to do? To be saved. He climbed up the tree and said, I've got to see him, the one who forgives sin, because I know I'm a sinner. And Jesus, passing by, looked up and said, Zacchaeus, what you doing in that tree? Zacchaeus said, I need to see you. He said, good, come down. I'm going to your house today. You know what's so cool about that? Jesus didn't ask anybody's permission either. To go to the house of the chief sinner of that place. Jesus said, I'm coming to eat with you today. And the religious people went, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> He's supposed to be so smart. He didn't know that woman was a sinner, and he don't know this guy's a publican. He's supposed to know so much. But Jesus, not worrying about the people or the opinion of the crowd, went to Zacchaeus' house. And you know what's so cool about it? The difference between Luke 18 and Luke 19 is not all the, the, the accounts in between. The difference is the rich young ruler said, what do I have to do, teacher? And Zacchaeus said, what can you do for me? Because I understand who I am. And he said, salvation has come to your house today. Immediately, Zacchaeus said, look, I'm going to give stuff back because I wrongfully took it. I'm going to give it back. Jesus didn't say to him, sell everything you've got because money's your God. He didn't say that because this man came not as a teacher, but as the Savior, to see the Savior. And that's who met him, was the Savior. And you know what took place? Worship. Because he went out and he was changed. See, when we really believe something, it changes the way we behave. We don't just talk about it when we really believe it. And so when we really believe that God is worthy of worship, whatever that looks like to me, <clears throat> if it looks like Caitlin on the front here kneeling in worship, if it looks like someone dancing, if it looks like someone shouting, if it looks like someone with their head bowed, crying, I, you know, I said, I'm not after a manifestation, but here's what I know. Every one of these people, when they worshipped, there was an outward expression of their worship. It wasn't a just, oh, praise Jesus, hallelujah. There was an outward expression. Why? Because they were taught to worship? No, because they encountered him. And once they knew who he was, see, worship is about who he is, not what we do. And when we understand who he is to us, then our worship has to change. My worship has changed a lot over the years. As I've become to, began, uh, began to understand and I've, uh, to believe who he is to me, 
it went from, I remember when we were in a Baptist church, my dad and I were the only ones in church that raised our hand. <clears throat> we'd, we'd raise our hand, we'd say amen out loud. And it, it got to be okay. Well, I can't say okay, I can't say tolerated. <clears throat> I don't know that it was okay, but it was tolerated because we continued to do it no matter. And to me, that was just like, did you see what I did? I raised a hand and shouted amen to the hymn selection. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward man. And now I'm just saying, God, I, I don't know what that's supposed to look like any more than what it looks like now. I'll shout. I'll, I'll raise my hands. I'll lay down in the floor. I'll kneel. I'll cry. I'm not after an outward expression. I'm after him. And what I see in true worship is that when, when we touch him and he touches us, there's an exchange that takes place, and it can look different, and that's okay. Amen? That's okay. And we may not all understand it, but that's okay. He's bigger than that. And I'm saying, in this place, and it's not comfortable, it's not common in our area to say this is who we are and this is what we're doing, but because of who he is, I believe he's worth it. Amen?